the 95th Academy Awards just took place, and while Jimmy Kimmel was a significant step up from Amy Schumer, that step was still a far cry from the top of the staircase. It certainly didn't help that the entire show was still stuck on last year, but there were still some highlights through the evening. I'm Harry, and this is Trash Talk Reverse. Welcome to Trash Talk Reverse, where I trash talk Hollywood award shows, or I do the reverse. While certainly less eventful than last year's show, this year's Oscars had a reason for viewers to tune in, and that reason was to witness the satisfying sweep of everything everywhere all at once. Of course, the first show-stopping event of the night was when Jamie Lee Curtis unexpectedly won Best Supporting Actress over both her co-star Stephanie Hsu and Black Panther's Angela Bassett. And I say show-stopping, because not a single person wanted this. Those were the two actresses everyone thought it was going to come down to. But Jamie Lee Curtis? She wasn't even the best supporting actress in her own movie. It's not that she can't act, but her role in the movie was so small. Not only in comparison to Stephanie, but overall extremely small. Like, it's a miracle her screen time even qualified for a nom in the first place. And on top of that, Stephanie wasn't just a supporting actress. She was the second main character. The whole movie was about her character and the mom's relationship. Plus, her performance was really good, so you have to wonder why the Academy would award the white woman who was barely in the movie, a movie about Asian immigrants and generational trauma, over the Asian woman who drove the story of the entire movie. And over Angela, too. Like, did y'all not watch either of these movies? That ridiculousness aside, there's actually a lot about this movie and its Oscar run that was historic. Of the 23 Asian acting nominees in the Oscars' entire 95-year history, Kiwi Kwan won Best Supporting Actor, making him the second Asian man to win this category in almost 40 years. Although he started as a child actor in movies like Indiana Jones, he found it really tough to find roles as an adult, and so instead he worked behind the scenes as a stunt coordinator and an assistant director. He didn't act for almost 20 years. That's how rough it was out there. Like, movies and shows just did not have Asian people. Or if they did, it tended to be at a rather limited or even offensive level. Case in point, his own co-star's Freaky Friday, which thought it would be funny to use fortune cookies and, quote, Asian voodoo to define the body swap, while the original Freaky Friday just used Wish. Key actually said the success of Crazy Rich Asians in 2018 was what motivated him to get back into acting, and that was just around the time the Daniels were casting for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Michelle Yeoh was also nominated that night for Best Actress, and headlines everywhere were calling her the first woman identifying as Asian to be nominated. Because a long time ago, Merle Oberon was nominated, and no one back then knew she was Asian because she was white passing, and she hid her heritage at the time. If you look up her background, though, her biological grandmother had, like, mixed Anglo-Asian heritage, so Merle's basically, like, one-eighth Asian, probably. At that point, does it really count? I know even with her looking white, she hid it because she knew that Hollywood would not be super happy with her heritage. But in this day and age, does it make sense to headline articles saying she was the secret trailblazer and such? Because what trails did she blaze if nobody knew about it? And it took all this time to get another Asian woman nominee. At what point do we stop doing Punnett Squares or Ancestry.com tests to determine someone's race? Because heritage is one thing, but there is a huge difference between someone who has a bit of Asian heritage but isn't discriminated for it because they appear white, versus someone whose physical appearance falls under the vast category of Asian and therefore they face discrimination for it. To look at a modern day example, the only one I can really think of right now, Halsey has like a quarter of black heritage, but she's visibly white. So obviously it would then be weird to put her with records made by black women. So can we really put Merle Oberon in the same category as Michelle Yeoh? Looking at a more specific hypothetical, let's say you're like 30% Irish and you and your family live in the States and y'all don't celebrate any particular Irish traditions or speak any particular Irish dialects and you're just Irish by heritage and that doesn't really have much to do with your life. Then do you celebrate the nominees of Banshees of Inishirin or do you ride for every Irish actor in Hollywood? Probably not, right? 
American actors who are part Irish and have Irish heritage, a win for them would not necessarily be representation for Ireland unless they were like fully Irish or mostly Irish or Irish heritage had some important part of their life. If you're like 10, 20, even 30% Asian or black or Irish and the rest of you does not look like or have much attribution to your identity, you wouldn't necessarily consider yourself to be paving the way for the people of that heritage who came after you, right? You're not making it easier for people of that heritage to be taken seriously or to get recognized, especially when it comes to the category of Asian because that encompasses so many different backgrounds like East Asia, South Asia, Southeast Asia, West Asia, which has been coined the Middle East by the West. And even part of Russia is in Asia. So are they Asian then? I was actually looking at the list of Asian Academy Award nominees and winners throughout history. And so many of them are men appearing white with Lebanese or some other type of descent that doesn't necessarily seep into their physical attributes. So they might be representation for Lebanese people, but are they representation for all Asian people? If they were, then that representation wouldn't necessarily be paving the way for anyone who came after them and definitely not for Asian people from other subgroups like East Asia. Racial classification is such a Western phenomenon like no one else identifies themselves like this. People living in India or Korea or Vietnam, they would see themselves as Indian, Korean, and Vietnamese until they came to a place like America and suddenly they're all Asian. Asian encompasses such a large sector that it feels odd to place everyone under the same umbrella when different groups have significantly different historical experiences and have experienced racism in different ways. And mainlanders versus diaspora populations might not even classify themselves together given that many of these diaspora populations have deeply sown roots in non-Asian countries like America that they would consider to be a bigger part of their identification. Of course we know racial categorizations were created and utilized as propaganda tools starting in the 16-1700s to justify colonial exploits and spiraled further and further from there. So ultimately there isn't really any sensical basis for the classifications listed every time you take a standardized test or do any sort of application. So how do we acknowledge the nonsensical origins of racial classification while also citing the importance of modern-day representation and anti-racism efforts? Somehow, race as a construct has to be dismantled while at the same time, representation, opportunities, and success from racially marginalized groups must be acknowledged and celebrated in the face of such adversity. That's why it's incredible that in addition to her historical nomination, Michelle Yeoh did make an official record that night when she took home the Oscar for Best Actress, making her the first Asian woman to win and the second woman of color after Halle Berry who actually presented the award to her. Isn't that odd though that in 95 years, only two actresses of color won Best Actress? Of course, most of that is because mostly white women were nominated and mostly white women got and had access to those roles in the first place. I know the racism deniers love to say, oh, maybe those people of color should have done better or worked harder to get those roles or to get the job or to whatever, and it's about talent and not race. But do y'all really believe that? The discrimination and representation issues in Hollywood are really weird for a country that claims to be the international end-all be-all of cinema with a multicultural population and profited off the labors of POC since its inception. Oh wait. But now it's 2023 and this is where we are at the moment, so hopefully it gets better from here. Obviously, it doesn't mean, no, white people aren't allowed to win anymore. The racists have this weird delusion that we're trying to replace white people in the country. You mean the 260 million white people in this country? Whenever I see those people calling everything related to POC part of some woke agenda or saying that teaching kids in school history, which includes racism, is part of some anti-white agenda, I just have to laugh because once upon a time, this country had very blatant anti-black, anti-Asian agendas built directly into the government and still tied into our society's infrastructure to this day which is why the EEAAO wins are such a huge deal. Because people of color are slowly but surely getting recognition for outstanding achievements, which will lead to being allowed to simply exist. And this is threatening because it brings about a concept of equality that suddenly dismantles much of the propaganda our entire society is built on. But there's still a long way to go as we move to the international representation. 
In the Academy's history, most nominated films for the Best Foreign Film category were from European countries, and the vast majority of winners were also European, white European to be exact. In recent years, there's definitely been more variety in nominees and winners, especially if you look at the shortlists for the past three years. There were plenty of potential nominees from non-European countries. But for this year's Oscars, all the nominees were European, except for Argentina, which is basically new Europe anyway. Of course, there's nothing wrong with having nominees from Europe, but there's a pretty clear reason why other continents have historically been overlooked or ignored. A lot of the time, it feels like when non-European films are nominated or win, it's because people in the industry just could not ignore them. Like in 2019, Parasite was such a huge deal, so it was no surprise that it deservedly took home big awards. This year, the awards just kept going to German film All Is Quiet on the Western Front. Like, damn, was it really that good? Though to be fair, the Academy loves war movies. What's odd though is the way that only one movie can be submitted per country for the best foreign film category. I know it probably makes it easier to sift through, but isn't that kind of a loss? There's a lot of successful international cinema being made in non-European countries like India and South Korea, for instance. Even if a movie doesn't get submitted by the country for best foreign film, can y'all not look at the other categories, like with All Is Quiet on the Western Front? Because they got nominated for score and cinematography and stuff like that. Specifically with Best Song and with India, there's historically been so few appearances at the Oscars across all categories, but considering that Bollywood is not only known for musical numbers, but have an industry that revolves around them, with big-name playback singers featuring on consistently sold-out soundtracks, it's a little odd, right? The song category has only ever had four non-English winners. Greek, Spanish, Hindi, and Telugu. The Hindi song was actually from a British production, Slumdog Millionaire, and the Telugu song was actually this year's winner from RRR. Hopefully going forward, there will be a lot more opportunities not only for Indian songs to earn recognition, but for foreign films from non-European countries to get recognized in areas outside of best foreign film, the way All Is Quiet on the Western Front seemed to be getting this year. And just generally continue the sort of upward trajectory we've been seeing since the Parasite era. India did have some more representation though in the documentary categories, which I feel like those categories do tend to include a bit more variety. One of the documentaries nominated that night was executive produced by Malala, who was in attendance, and for some odd reason, Jimmy Kimmel decided that out of all the people in the audience, she was the right person to ask about the Harry Styles Chris Pine spitting thing. Like, really? Why would you ask her that? Is it so that you could then make the unfunny joke Malala land, which makes it even weirder? I guess later it turned out Malala didn't really mind, according to her Twitter, but it was still really odd. Honestly, it's a shocker that Kimmel was able to spare a whole minute to talk about anything other than last year's slap situation. It's been a year, and people still won't shut up about it. To be fair, I get it was one of the rare times in Oscars history that something entertaining happened, but it's really not that deep. If y'all could just magically forget John Wayne trying to attack Sachin Littlefeather when she attended on Marlon Brando's behalf to talk about the mistreatment of Native American characters in movies, then surely y'all can forget about this. Oh, but wait, I forgot it traumatized Amy Schumer, and she's the epitome of outstanding moral fiber, so we have to listen to what she says. At this point, I'm okay with the Oscars being less eventful in the future, if only to prevent the long-ass discourse that came after the incident and all the celebs with their think pieces nobody asked for. Like we need Jim Carrey's opinion on award show behavior after he forced himself on Alicia Silverstone on stage at the MTV Movie Awards without her consent when she was barely 20. Even on the Oscars' own stage, Adrian Brody did the same thing to Halle Berry like 20 years ago, and he got invited back to present the following year. If things like that don't warrant any discussion whatsoever, then why are we still talking about one guy slapping another guy and making such a big deal about it? I mean, at least this was funny. Celebs just need to mind their own business sometimes and stop overcompensating and acting fake woke. Actually, too many presenters or people accepting their awards, they'll get up on stage and they'll start talking about something that nobody asked to hear, and it just sounds really performative. Like in 2018, Emma Stone was on stage introducing nominees for Best Director, and she made some quip about how the nominees were all men and Greta Gerwig. 
Meanwhile, there's Jordan Peele and Guillermo del Toro sat in the same category. Okay, maybe with Guillermo del Toro, it's a different story because he's been in the Oscar circuit before. But Jordan Peele? You want to make that joke while Jordan Peele's in this category? You want to talk about women's representation in the best director category? Then great, do that. But not while Jordan Peele is in the same category. And it makes it seem like Greta Gerwig's nomination was this big significant thing while Jordan Peele's was just another man getting a best director nominee. Like that makes it seem like Jordan Peele was more privileged than Greta Gerwig to be in this situation. While yes, women have historically lacked representation in this category, that was the wrong thing to say and the wrong time to say it. If y'all want to know more about the Oscars history, go visit the Academy Museum in LA. While I was there, I saw they put effort into pointing out the representation issues and other problems in both Oscars history and film history in general. They also had a ton of costumes on display and some other exhibits and features like there was the sound design showcase for Indiana Jones and then there was this big exhibit for The Godfather with behind the scenes and all that stuff. I'll also link an article about the history of racial classifications in the description if that's interesting to you. But for now, I'm looking forward to the new history of cinema in the coming year and we'll see if the 2024 Oscars can take a big step forward as well. Thanks for listening and once again, this was Trash Talk Reverse.